I, I love worshiping God together. Uh, I just want to introduce the worship team to you. On drums is Trevor. You may not see him because he's in the, he's in the cage. Dave is on, what, is, what are you playing, electric? Bass? It's an electric bass kind of, but uh, David is on bass. And uh, on this side is Sebastian. He's on electric guitar. Sebastian, thank you. Thank you. Robson on keys and vocals, of course. Alkai is also leading, so thank you, Alkai, for being here. And of course, Tifa. Thank you for being here, Tifa. Tifa is from Big Island, so just had to throw that in there. You know, one of the things that I'm, I so appreciate about us as a church, and uh, even for those who are here as leaders for the camp, those who flew up from Oahu and neighbor islands, uh, we will see a difference as the years go by. We already see the difference. You know, next month we have Camp Legacy coming up. That's our high school camp. And we see God doing powerful things in the lives of young people. I think this church has a heart for young people because we were at that place at one time in our lives. And they have such a head start than many of us had. And if many of us came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior at an early age like this, it, it would have been an amazing life from that point on. Yet at the same time, God still redeemed us at age, for me it was 19, for some of you 35, 37, whatever it is. But we get to invest in the next generation. For those of you who call this your home church, you hear about that often, that we believe in the next generation. That's why we give to God because we trust in what he is doing. We trust what he is doing through our volunteers in the district of Pune where we are feeding people every week a thousand meals a day or on Thursday a thousand meals a day that's that's a lot but we do feed them every Thursday and what comes out of that is that God is glorified so as we prepare our hearts to give know that our gifts don't go into a bucket it goes into another life we always believe that everything we do is attached to a soul everything we do Everything that we have here is attached to a soul, a person's heart. And there are many people who have yet to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads as we pray over our tithes and offerings. Lord, we are so grateful that we get to be here in a place like this that you have provided for us, that future generations will get to be a part of. And I am I, a part of that, Lord. Someone invested in my life years ago. And because of that, I too get to be a part of something great that you're doing and so, Lord, we pray your blessing over the gifts that are given, the finances, that it will further your kingdom, that more people will come to know you as Lord and Savior, regardless of whatever age they're at and whatever season they're in. We also pray that as we give to you, that you would bless those who are giving. Provide, Lord, we pray for jobs. We pray for our economy. Because as God's people, we're not part of the world's economy. We're a part of yours. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said together. Amen, amen. Go ahead, ushers. Well, tonight, because of their camp speaker, who is our very own Pastor Ben Urbanozo, Pastor Ben is going to come and bring the word for us tonight. So can we welcome up Pastor Ben as he shares? Thank you, Pastor Sheldon. All right. Well, it is the third night of camp for Defying Camp. Campers, how are you guys doing? Shoo. I'm going to steal uh, um, Pastor Brett's chocolates up. All right. And, of course, our New Hope Church, thank you guys so much for being here tonight to support Define Camp as well and being here. And, and tonight, uh, in fact, 
here at Defying Camp 2018, this entire week, we've had this one scripture that we were talking about because our theme this year for Defying Camp is Young and Reckless. And it's found in 1 Timothy 4.12. And it says, Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all the believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Now, I know uh, you might be going, um, I, I'm not exactly young anymore. But the really cool thing is this. When, when Paul writes this to Timothy, he's just writing it to Timothy because Timothy was a young leader in the church. But the beautiful part is this. God is calling all of us to be a people reckless for him. To not worry about your circumstance. Whether it's you're young or you're a forerunner or if you uh, live in Hilo or anywhere else. That don't worry about your circumstance. Don't worry about the world says. But to be fully focused on Jesus in every area of your life. And as we do this... What happens is we become a reflection of Jesus into the world. Now, one of the areas that Jesus calls us to set an example is in the way we love. But you see, there are so many false ideas when it comes to love. You see, the world has taken love and distorted it, twisted it, and made it counterfeit to the love of God. See, worldly love might look like God's love, but it will never hold up to it. Uh, When I was a kid, I I enjoyed every birthday and all this and that. My mom blessed me a lot. She would, uh, like I shared with the Defiant Campers, I was a spoiled brat because I was an only child. And so, like, any time, a lot of times in school, my mom would would, uh, bring pizza, and I knew every time she brought pizza, she was going to bring juice. And... I, I'm letting you know, I hate water. Because water has no taste. And so I hated water when I was, when I was a kid. I still, you know, I, I gotta, it has to be nice and cold. Got to have some lemon inside so there's some taste. And so, but when I was a kid, I drank juice, soda. I loved, just, I just would pound that. And so every time uh, my mom would, would do something, I mean, our refrigerator was constantly loaded with metal gold grape juice. Grape juice, fruit punch, and I loved it. But then as I got older, I realized something. That's actually not grape juice. When I was a kid, I would drink and drink it. But as I got older, I realized something. There's something on the carton. It says grape drink. I was like, what? And I would go in the store and we'd pass by this thing called grape juice and be like, oh, oh, and I thought it tasted the same. And so I remember the first time I drank real grape juice. And I was, my mind was blown. Because I was like, it was so rich. It was like so full. I mean, I mean, I loved grape drink, but man, grape juice was like, wow. And then I told my mom, mom, how come you cannot, why don't buy me more grape juice? Why don't grab me all juice? And she's like, because grape drink is cheaper. <laughs> you go to the store, three for five dollars. Grape juice, five dollars for a small little bottle like this. And I was like, but mom, it's, it's not the same. And you see, that's the thing. See, the way the world calls love, the worldly love is not the same as God's love. It might look like it, but it, it's only drink. 
It ain't juice. And you know what I learned is when you drink a lot of grape drink, you get sick. <laughs> grape juice fills you much quicker. You see, there's a difference between the world and its definition of love and God's love. You see, God's love is reckless for us. That's what we sang tonight. But here's the thing. Do we really understand the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God? Because it's a love that knows no boundaries, no circumstances, no conditions. It's always pursuing, and it never fails. It's in this reckless love that Jesus calls us to love and be loved. And so tonight, we're going to discover three biblical truths about the reckless love of God. So if you're taking notes, here's the first thing. It's very simple. It's God is love. God is love. Can you say that? God is love. Now, real quick, before we continue, I want to say this because, believe it or not, there's some controversy behind reckless love and all this. And so I, wanna, I just want to state this very clear, okay? God has never, is never, and will never be reckless, okay? Our God is not a reckless God. He is purposeful. He's intentional. He is not reckless. But he has, is, and will always love you with a reckless love. Because it's who he is. He is love. Love is not a man-made concept. It's not. It's found in God because it is God. 1 John 4.16 says this, We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. But you see, from the moment the devil tricked Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, the truth is we've looked for love in all the wrong places. From the moment sin entered the world, we long to find love in sin more than to find love in who love is, and that is God. And what's worse is we've accepted the counterfeit love of the world. I remember this one time in our youth ministry, uh, we, did this, we did an ice cream eating contest. Yeah, junior high, we did an ice cream eating contest. And so we were like, okay, guys, I need two brave contestants. And so two brave contestants came up, and I was like, okay, uh, you get to choose whatever toppings you want, kind of like the game that we played last night. But the, the really cool thing was this. There was no trick ingredients. Okay, so I was like, okay, you want chocolate, you want uh, caramel, and we started putting all this stuff, and so sooner or later, their scoop of vanilla ice cream was covered in chocolate and peanuts and whipped cream and uh, cherry on top, and they're like, yeah, and so I said, okay, so here's the deal, the game is whoever can eat the ice cream first wins, and so they're like, okay, all right, we got it, all right, all right, are you guys ready, on your mark, get set, go, They both ate it, and they're looking at me like, oh, what is this? I was like, what? He's like, is it, it's, 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 come on, eat it. You got to hurry up and eat it. Like, oh, it's not ice cream, it's meal. 
See, what we had done is we took mayonnaise, scooped it out, put it in a bowl, froze it. And then we told them, okay, it's an ice cream eating contest. And just letting you know, if you didn't know, that actually looks like real vanilla ice cream. So you're welcome, parents. Okay, so kids, don't do that, though. Don't do that to your parents. But, but yeah, but here's the thing. It looked like vanilla ice cream from the start. They were so blind to not even realize it was mayonnaise. Why? Because it looked like the real deal. It looked like the real deal. But let me tell you right now, their stomachs later on that night was sore. I mean, you see, here's the thing. We can, we can want the love of the world. We can fall for it because it looks just, it looks close enough to the love of God. I mean, a lot of times we'll look at the world and how it views love and, and we'll often want it. We'll want the Hollywood story, right? Or we want the fairy tale ending. But here's the thing, it's artificial. It's fake. You see, you can feed your heart scoop upon scoop of mayonnaise, wanting it to be real ice cream. But the world's love will never be the same as the love of the Father. Last night at Define Camp, we talked about, we talked about the story of the prodigal son. And I love that story, and I shared it last night because the truth is, I think for many of us, especially us adults, if we were to be honest with ourselves, the story of the prodigal son is actually our story. It's us. And I love the story. I mean, if you don't know the story, it's basically this, this man, his father had two sons, his oldest son, his younger son. His younger son goes to his dad and says, hey, dad, listen, I know I'm promised an inheritance when you, when you pass away, but here's the deal. I want it now. And the dad is like, and the dad, you'd think he'd be like, no way, there's no way I'm going to give you this. But he actually gives his son his share of his inheritance. And so the younger son goes, and he spends all his money. He's, he's living recklessly. And then his money runs out. And at the, at the time his money runs out, there's a famine, and now he's hungry. He has no money. He's, he needs food. And so he decides the only work he can actually get is feeding pigs. And so he goes, he feeds pigs, and he's so hungry that the food he's feeding the pigs look good to him. And he's like, I, I want to eat it. But the owner says, sorry, you can't eat it. That's your job. And then he's like, you know what, I, I, I can't believe I made such a mistake. You know what I'm going to do? I've, I've, I've upset my father. I sinned against my father. I sinned against heaven. So you know what, I'm willing to go back to my dad and say, you know what, I'll be your servant. I'll work for you. And so he decides this, and, then he goes, and so he makes his way back home. And, on the, and as he uh, clips the horizon, he's walking, his father sees him. And this is the best part of the entire story that I love. His father sees him. The dad sees the lost son, the prodigal son, and he runs to him. The dad, he's not a young dad. He's in his older age. And he runs to his son. And he embraces him. He hugs him. He kisses him. And the son's kind of like, no, dad, I don't know dad. And he's like, no, I just love you. And he starts calling to his servant, bring the best robe. Bring the ring for his finger. In fact, let's, let's have a party because my son is here. I thought he was lost, but now he's found. I just imagine that. Can you imagine this? Imagine God running to you. That's 
love. That's God's love. That is way better than any Hollywood movie, any fairy tale, any, anything that's fake because that's real. Most times when it comes to love, we got to go for it. We got to look for it. But no, God says, listen, I am love and I am running to you, to you in junior high, to you, the single moms, to you. He's, he's running to all of us. That's so amazing. It's his love. See, God runs to us because he loves us. That's who he is, and he's the definition of love that is truly reckless. Many of us, we know this scripture. It's found in 1 Corinthians 13, 48. We call it the love chapter. And it says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Take the word love and put God. Because that's who he is. God is love. The second thing is this. God calls us to love. God, God calls you and I to love. I remember uh, I have three little girls, Caitlin, who's five, Brianne, who's three, and Adrian, who's one. Uh, and I remember this one day, I forget what it was, but Caitlin, my oldest daughter, okay, she did something, and she made me mad. And I remember I just lost it on her. Like, I was, I was having a bad day, and I started yelling. I was like, Caitlin, what are you doing? And I'm yelling at her, and I'm just like unloading everything. My daughter, Caitlin, starts to cry. She starts crying. Ah, and I'm like, no, I don't care. You cry. Ah, this and that. And then my, my daughter, Brianne, comes up. And she looks at me. And she goes, Dad, you should be nice. You should, you should stop yelling at Caitlin. And I'm like, and, I, and I'm, I'm angry. So I'm like, Brianne, shh. And, I, and I'm like, Caitlin, you heard me. Ah. And then Brianne goes, um, Pastor Daddy. I tell you right now, getting convicted by a three-year-old is mean. <laughs> because I, re- I understood. I mean, I, it was so funny. As soon as she said that, I stopped. And I looked at my daughter who was crying. And I realized, what in the world am I doing? Because I am not loving her. Yeah, I mess up. I mean, she messed up. She did something bad. And she deserved to be scolded. But not like that. Not to the point where she thought for a, like for a moment that daddy didn't love her anymore. And that convicted me. That, that, especially when Caitlin went, oh, pastor daddy. I was like, oh, okay, God, I got you. Oh. And so I hugged my daughter, Caitlin, and I was like, baby, daddy's sorry. I mean, I, I'm sorry for how I acted and for how I yelled. Um, I know you messed up. And you know what was crazy is that as soon as Brianne said that, I heard the Lord come in quickly and say, you know how many times you mess up? Ooh. Huh. Every day. <laughs> and he's like, do, do I do that to you? Uh, n- no. So why are you doing that to your daughter? It's not, 
It's not how I'm calling you to love. You see, God calls us to love. 1 John 4, 11 to 12, it says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. You see, God's love enables us to love others. And when we love others, they will start to see and even experience the love of Jesus. See, the greatest way that we can show people who God is is when we start loving on them with the reckless love of God. Uh, I remember uh, for one year, for one year, one of my best friends invited me to come to church. And I told him no for one year because I didn't, want, I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I was mad at Jesus. And I remember just being like, every time he would talk about church, oh, you got to come to church. No, I'm good. He'd be, we'd be in class. Hey, Ben, you should come to youth ministry. No, I'm good. And there'd be other colorful words that I'd tell him to. And, and I just remember just like, I just remember being so against going to church. But here's how I came to church. Yes, I came to church because my friends had had hot chicks at church. But how I really came to church too was how he loved me. Because after how many times I told him no, how I told him no, he could have stopped. He could have said, ah, no, I'm good, I'm good fine. <laughs> you on your own, Ben. But no, he continuously invited me. He continuously, every time I, t- I shut him down, he was like, okay, okay, yeah. And he just loved me. You see, We're called to love God and love people. And every day, God gives you and I the opportunity to show who he is by the love we share to others. But here's the thing. It's going to take reckless love to love others. It's going to take the reckless love of God to love others. Because let me tell you, there are going to be times that you're not going to want to love people. Amen? I tell you right now, there are people who walk into my life, they do something, I'm like, and all I can hear God in the back going, you gotta love them, you gotta love them. I mean, think about it, there's gonna be people that enter our lives that we're gonna not wanna love. I mean, think about it, the person that cut you off in traffic. You're not going to want to love them. You're going to want to salute them. And not the godly way. Think about the person that spreads rumors about you. You're not going to want to love them. You're going to want to be like, ho, 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 let me tell people. But you see, we got to love them as Christ loves them. You see, I love this story in John 8. We see how Jesus loves, and we discover how to love like him. It's the story of the adulterous woman. The Pharisees and the church leaders, they, they bring to Jesus this woman who is caught in the act of adultery. And so they bring, her, they bring her to Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, we caught this woman in the act of adultery. You know what the law says about this. Because back then, the law said, listen, if you're caught in the act of adultery, you're going to get rocks thrown at you till you die. 
And so they bring this woman, and they're like, okay, Jesus, you say who you are. Okay, let's go. And then they, they, they wait. They wait to see what Jesus is going to do. And Jesus sits down. And I can just imagine what they're thinking. They're looking at Jesus like, brother, we, we just brought this woman who is sinning, and you can sit down? And Jesus kind of writes in the dirt, the dust, and, and then all of a sudden, they keep looking at him. And after the time goes, he stands back up. And imagine this. They already have the stones in their hand because they're expecting immediate judgment. And they're expecting, okay, Jesus is going to say, throw it. But Jesus gets back up, and he says, those without sin cast the first stone. And one by one, they drop their stones, and they leave. See, it's in that story we see how Jesus loves and how we're supposed to love, because I think we live in a world that is so quick to judge, to condemn. We live in a world that, hey, the moment you make a mistake, you need to pay for it. And Jesus is like, listen, no. You have to remember how you're loved by the Father and extend that out. You have to remember that you, that I, every time I read that story, I always remember, that's me waiting for judgment. And how Jesus responds is the same way I want to respond to others. You see, Jesus often went against the grain, against the status quo, and he loved people no matter what. Whether they're your family, your friend, stranger, or even enemy, we're called to love them recklessly just as Jesus does. 1 John 4, 19-21, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us his command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. I, I shared this story before, but I, I, it just reminds me of how we're supposed to love each other. I remember this one camp we did uh, years ago at Spencer's Beach with our, with our youth ministry. We had two kids who for real, at the beginning of the school year, hated each other. Like, they fought, they scrapped, uh, and just so happens, one of them was already registered to come to camp. The other one needed to do community service, and so we decided, hey, he's going to come and serve at camp. And I remember, that was, that was pretty interesting. Because when you get two brothers that, like, fight, that it already went when fight, and when they came up, they wasn't talking to each other. They kind of were starting to eye each other out. And I was like, whoo, this is going to be a camp. <laughs> and I just remember uh, we were told, you know, just keep an eye on them. Just, you know, just make sure they're okay. You know, not getting in each other's business and all that. And I remember just watching them throughout the week. And I remember the last night, the kid who registered, who was really close to me, he was in the back. And he was crying. The Lord was just speaking into his heart, speaking into his life, and he's crying, crying, crying. And I remember, I think I was leading worship at that time, and I, was, and I was saying, okay, as soon as I'm done with worship, I'm going to leave and go check on him. Well, by the time worship got done, I looked, and he had already been surrounded by some other guys from the camp. But the one guy whose hand was on his shoulder praying for him was the same guy that he, was, that he fought with. 
that he got into that scrap with. And they're bold, and he's praying, and he's praying loud. And I'm, first of all, I was like, I didn't even know this kid knew how to pray. <laughs> and he's just praying for you. And, and I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking, I didn't know he was praying at first. I thought, oh, man, it's going to go down right now. <laughs> but I just see it, and he's just praying. He's like praying. He's like, ah. And then I see them hug each other. And it's like, what? I'm like, what in the world? They learn to love each other as Christ loved them. And what even, it's even more amazing is the fact that that kid who prayed for that, uh, that, the other kid, he would end up passing away a couple of years later. But it was at that camp he, he got saved. He received Jesus. You see, it's amazing when we choose to love each other just as Christ loves us. Because that's the third thing you have to understand. God loves you. God loves you. And I know for some of us, we're like, I already know that. Great. You know it, but do you believe it? I mean, you can know something, but if you're not willing to believe it, doesn't mean anything. You know, this morning, one of our youth asked, why does God continue to love us after all the things we do? And simply put, because he just does. See, God loves us, and he doesn't need a reason to love us other than that. See, many times we look at our lives and the mistakes we made and the decisions that weren't good, the sins we've committed, and we think, there's no way that God would or could love someone like me. But let me tell you right now, a reckless lifestyle can only be transformed by a reckless love. God's reckless love wants to transform anything reckless in you. That's the love that God has for you and me. I love Romans 8, 35, and then verses 37, 39. It says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. But you know what's interesting is this. We might know that scripture, we might know how much God loves us, but here's the thing, when we find ourselves stuck, when we find ourselves rock bottom, when we find ourselves filled with sin and guilt and shame, we too often forget it. I remember probably the biggest mistake of my life I made this far. I thought I lost everything because of the choice I made. And when I mean everything, I mean the purpose God had for me. And I remember how I felt after I made that mistake, and I thought to myself, there's no way. There's no way. God, how, how in the world will you ever allow me to go back to that? How will you ever allow me 
we live that life, how will you ever, how can I ever come back from that? I've, I've made a bad decision. I didn't listen to people who loved me and wanted the best for me. I went against your will for my life, and I made the biggest mistake, and here I am stuck in the mud. And I deserve it. And God said, my son, I love you. You, you, you need to remember that, that my love for you is reckless. I don't need a reason to love you, and I don't have a reason to ever not love you. See, we've got, a lot of us, we can be here in this sanctuary, and we can say, okay, I know God loves me. I know that God loves me. That, that seems so simple, but it, it is simple. But so many times, we make it complex. Oh, God can't love me, though. No, he can. He wants to. He didn't create you for anything other than the fact that he loves you. And I want to say this to the junior hires. He loves you. You have your whole life in front of you. You're going to make mistakes. Never forget this in your heart. God loves you. No matter what. No matter where you go. No matter where life takes you. See, the world may say that you need a reason to be loved, that you must be popular or profitable or perfect. But that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ because the gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel of reckless love. When it comes to the, to the crucifixion, when it comes to the story of Jesus getting betrayed, there's one, one, one area of the story I think we forget you see, when Jesus is arrested, he, gets, he, gets, he goes to Pilate, and Pilate has uh, Jesus. And they've beaten him, they've broken him, and, and Pilate's like, okay, listen, it is a holy day, and because it's a holy day, I'm allowed to release a prisoner to you. See, when Jesus uh, was accused, there was Jesus, the Son of God, and there was another man. His name was Barabbas. And Barabbas was a rebel. He led a revolt. In fact, he murdered somebody. And so Pilate is on this stage, and he has Jesus, the Son of God, and he has Barabbas, this rebel, this murderer. And he says to the crowd, I am able to release one to you. I am able to release one to you. Who do you want? And I'm thinking to myself, there's no question how, are you, how can this even be a, a question? You have Jesus, the Son of God, the, one that, the person that's only been healing and uh, releasing demons, bring, bringing those who are blind to have sight, those who are deaf to hear. He's been doing miracles and wonders that nobody else has ever done. Why in the world would this be a question? It's Jesus. Release Jesus. This is Barabbas. He's a rebel. He's scum. He's a thug. He's, he's a murderer. Why are you even asking that? And Pilate asks to the crowd, who do you want? The crowd cries out, give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. So the soldiers come and they unlock Barabbas is changed. Jesus is silent. He doesn't say a word. Barabbas 
probably amazed at the fact that he is released. He doesn't even know who this Jesus is, but he knows what he's done. And so he starts walking out, a free man, going to, his, going to the people, probably filtered his friends. I mean, yeah, I'm free. I'm free. He never once, the Bible never says he wants to, to uh, look back and turn back and say to Jesus, hey, thank you so much. He doesn't even acknowledge Jesus. He just goes. And Jesus, this whole entire time, is just silent. And then we know what happens. Pilate releases Jesus to get flogged, to get beaten and broken, to go and get nailed to a cross where he would eventually die. See, this is the part we don't don't even understand because I I thought about it. Jesus, why didn't you say anything? The world needed you, not Barabbas. The people should have had you. Not a rebel, not a murderer, not a thug. What's so amazing is this, is that Jesus is probably saying, no, it's fine. As a crowd chants, Barabbas, 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 Jesus is having a conversation with his father saying it's fine it's okay because Jesus understands that he has to take the place of Barabbas so that Barabbas can take the place of Jesus Barabbas a free man thinking that it was Pilate that gave him the freedom to live didn't understand it was not even Pilate's decision at all. It was a decision of a heavenly father saying, I know. Let Barabbas go so that all my people will be free. See, I want us to understand something. In the story of Barabbas, that's you, that's me, that's us. We're the ones. We're the ones that deserved it. And what's interesting is that 2,000 years later, there's still times in our lives where we say, no, God, I deserve it. I made a mistake. I messed up. I didn't listen. I did this thing. I deserve it. How many times do we feel like that? Because I know I feel like that sometimes. Where I feel like, Lord, I don't deserve, I deserve, I deserve what you went through. I deserve the cross. I deserve the punishment. I deserve everything. And Jesus is like, no, you, no. Because my love for you is far greater. But Lord, I, I, I what about, I, I, I did it. I deserve. No. I don't deserve your love. I don't need you to deserve my love. I just love you. The reason why God's love is so reckless is because while the world will say you need reasons to be loved, God says, I don't need it. I just love you. You are my masterpiece, whom I love. The gospel, 
is one of reckless love because it's a love that's so scandalous and it's so great. It doesn't even, nobody can understand it. Let me tell you right now, we will never understand the fullness of God's love, but we have to understand one simple thing. If there's anything that you leave here tonight with, junior hires, defiant campers, if there's anything you leave with from this camp, please let it be this. Your love. No matter what the world throws at you, no matter what you do. Because Jesus is enough. While we might not deserve while we might not deserve it, to be honest, reckless love, I didn't like the song at first. I didn't. And what convicted me was a line that said, I don't, I didn't earn it, I don't deserve it. Still you give yourself away. That's Jesus to you right now. That's Jesus to all of us right now. He wants you to receive him. That's why he freely gives himself. It's a love unlike any other. It's a love that's going to set us free for all of eternity. It's a love that's going to be with us whether we're in the valley or on the mountain. It's a love that is not counterfeit but genuine and real. Just as the nails in his hand and feet were. And it's a love that he wants you to have. It's a love that saves us from the gates of hell. And so tonight, the Holy Spirit is calling to you, inviting you to receive his great love, his reckless love for you. Would you bow your heads with me real quick? Father, we come before you right now, Lord, and and Lord, we thank you so much for your reckless love. Your love that that we'll never understand. Yet all we need to understand is that you love us with that love. Lord, you are love. And you call us to love each other because of one simple thing. You love us. So Lord, tonight, no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, no matter who we think we are, Lord, tonight, we want to take this opportunity to receive you. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. But yet you freely give it continuously to us. And so, Lord, tonight we want to make, we want to take this opportunity. With your eyes closed and your heads bowed, this is for everybody. If you want to be loved recklessly by the God of all creation, if you want to receive God's reckless love, a love that is overwhelming through all your circumstances, a love that is never-ending, a love that needs no reason other than the fact that Jesus is enough, it is yours. And if you want that love, if you want to receive Jesus tonight, I'm going to lead, I want to lead you in a prayer. And as you say the words, you, you say it with everything that you are. Because it's not to me, it's not to the person next to you, it's to God the Father himself. And you're saying, Lord, I want 
to receive your love. I want your reckless love to transform my reckless life. Lord Jesus, I receive you tonight as my Lord and Savior. I believe you died on the cross and that you rose again to give me eternal life, to wash me clean and make me brand new, to forgive me of my sins and love me with a reckless love that will transform me into your image. Lord, help me to love you, to love others, to give you my life because you love me. Thank you for setting me free even when I don't deserve it. Thank you for being enough. I give, it, I give my life to you. I surrender all that I am in Jesus' name. Now, you don't have to repeat after this, but if you said that prayer for the first time, if you said that prayer to the Lord and you said, I said that to the Lord for the first time, I wanna, I'm going to ask you, would you be so bold to raise your hand because I want to say a special prayer for you. Yeah. 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 Lord, you see the hands, and most of all, you see the heart. And Lord, we pray right now, Lord, for those who receive you tonight, Lord, that as they continue in their life, no matter where it may take them, as they follow after you, Lord, remind them every single moment of your reckless love for them. Lord, I pray that it would overwhelm them in such a way that it transforms them into who you're calling them to be. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for being who you are. We love you. We praise you. And we pray for all these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, yeah. amen, amen. Would you congratulate those who received Jesus? Let me tell you right now, if you, raise, if you said that prayer and you meant it, you are saved. That's what the Bible says. And you are loved.